Welcome along to Season 3, Episode 25 of LOI Weekly. I often say it's a special show coming up, but this is genuinely a special show. Why is it special, Dan? Well, we're in Baku, John. We're in Azerbaijan, one of the more uh, obscure places I think any of us will ever visit. Uh, But this is LOI Weekly, a special Baku uh, episode, which is on Podcast Republic, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and at LOI Weekly on Twitter. It's Johnny Ward here with Daniel MacDonald. But over the course of the show, we hope to have an Azeri journalist, considering how successful your uh, geezer from um, Riga was that time, Dan. To be fair, he, call, he called things pretty accurately. Yeah, hoping to get a local contribution before the show is out. We're going to hear, we're going to have Sean Gannon and Daniel Kelly, who we spoke to a bit earlier on, the Rings End boys, and uh, we're going to chat to a couple of the dark local lads who've, uh, I guess, their working life has probably been changed by the trips that they've been able to go on in, in recent years with the dark too. So, um, yeah, that's all, that's all coming up. But here we are. We're in, we're in uh, Baku. We've had a, a lovely charter trip, a charter flight yesterday. We, we are 5,000 kilometres from home, but actually the trip didn't really make it feel like. It feel like it. We had a bit of a stopover in Romania. Did you get off the plane standing the steps? I did. I stood on Romanian soil because it's one of the countries I haven't been to. Like, count, uh, concrete. Now, you have to... Yeah, airport doesn't count. I mean, this is the thing. Like, this is one of the things. This is Azerbaijan off the list now. Um, it's not like an embassy. It is Romanian soil. Yeah. I just, I, to me, I just think, like... You need to experience. You need to get out of the airport territory, like you know. I mean, had a chat with the Hoovenator at the airport as well. You did. The the, the log players seem to be looking forward to that. I, I just, I mean, I came down towards the gate and I see you locked deep in discussion with uh, Pat Hoop, and I said, "Friends," he just turned around. He was like, "No," and then there was a stern, a stern chat, John. Can you, can you like, have you done sort of kind of? Is there some kind of Chatham House rules in this discussion, or can you actually? What happened? Chatham House rules, yeah. We we just had a, had a chat about uh, Galway Hurland and that, you know, big Galway Hurland fan. We, we had a healthy debate, but the Dundalk players certainly seem to enjoy it. And all the while, then Stephen O'Donnell arrives at the airport and he's off to um, where is he off to? Cyprus. Off to Cyprus to watch their potential opponent. So it was a it was a busy time. But the Dundalk players, I I have to say, you get a great vibe off them, their confidence ahead of the task, which is a huge task. But um, also want to laud the management for how relaxed they've been with the journalists. And if you if you're thinking of Gaelic Games journalists, how absolutely crap like their access to players and management is like. This has been a bit of an eye opener in terms of. Finney and the guys being quite relaxed. Yeah, well, I think I mean I think we we <laughs> I think we've got stick over the time. I think the media generally in Ireland probably gets a lot of stick. But I think you know it's a bit of a Dundalk love-in going on a lot of the time, and I can sort of understand where that where that is coming from because like there's a lot of very positive coverage that this team has received. Now it's won a lot of leagues, done well in Europe, so I mean that that goes with it. But I guess part of it is that when it comes to access, they're very relaxed. They trust the players. They trust the players. Not just take the media stuff out, but that's not interesting to a lot of people. But the players aren't. Like I travel. I've travelled around a lot with Ireland and even sort of teams that say a higher level. And there's these boundaries that are put around players. But generally, just on the off group when they go away, they're allowed to. You know, if any lets them go off around the city, they're not going to misbehave. You know, they mingle with supporters. And when it comes to press stuff, you know, invite us into the hotel, invite us in for lunch. Um, just, just to be a part of it. There's obviously a natural distance which, which has to be there. But, it, but even some League of Ireland clubs in recent years, um, I, don't think, I don't think management have maybe given off the same vibe. And sometimes that can be because they don't have that same level of trust in players or whatever it might be to, to say what they might say or what are they chatting about or what could they be talking about over there. And 
um, with the Dundalk group, and this, I mean, it started with Stephen Kenny, who was a big thing on, you know, he 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 wanted to get his message out in press conferences in the hotel and have a proper chat rather than one with translation in the stadium. And like Vinny's carried that on in terms of this trip here. You know, it's uh, and and what does it mean if they get beaten three 0 tomorrow? It means nothing, I guess. But I I think. Uh, there's no sort of inbuilt sort of siege mentality here where they're fighting against the world. That's never actually really been a, a thing in this group that much. Maybe individual players that have their own way that they'll be motivated by certain things. But generally, I, I find with these trips, they're pretty chilled and pretty relaxed. And uh, I, I think, you know, you would, you would hope that that sort of experience stands to them in every, in every respect. Because um, one of the interesting things about last week in both games, in both the Shamrock Rovers game and the Dock game, it has to be said, is that both teams fell behind early and didn't lose the head. Um, I mean, Rovers went on to do very well and, and control parts of the game. The Dock, if you turned off that game and after 30 minutes last week, you know, if someone watched it 30 minutes and left, they'd assume, geez, that, that team in the black is, they're coasting. They're going to do a job on them. And that you could end up in a scenario that the Dock nearly won it and nearly felt they should have won it. it. Sort of says something about the, the group. Um, and I think it takes a certain maturity not to panic when you go behind because um, you've seen Irish teams over the years maybe in that scenario where the, the, the world sort of caves in on them um, and they seem to sort of overcome that. So, no, listen, it, it actually was a good, a good week for both of them last week. We are, this is a bit more than dog-centric this week because we're here. Um, but, you know, the Shamrock Rovers tie on Thursday. All of a sudden, Europe is sort of getting very interesting for them because they play Austria-Vienna. If they get through, and it's still a big if, um, in the next round um, and you know the Austrian teams haven't been top notch in recent years in fact last year uh, in the same competition Dundalk played a team from Cyprus Larnica and if they got through they would have been playing an Austrian team and I think that the impression of Rory Higgins at the time who was doing the scouting is that actually Larnica were stronger than the team in the next round and sure enough Larnica hammered the team in the next round it might have been Sturm Graz I'm not sure they hammered them so suddenly, like, you know, from a Rovers' perspective, when I had Europe then as a bit of a cash grab for them, but actually now, if they get through this one, I'd give them a chance in the next round. So you never know. It's maybe, I think because the dog have the, the fallback if they lose here, that they have the Europa League, so they'll be in it next week either way. But you never know. The Rovers now too, it must be said. Um, it's sort of getting interesting for them. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's, a few, there's a few angles to this European run, this European adventure this year. Um, that, that, that could make it a more positive story than maybe we might have thought when the first set of draws came out around a month ago. And I think the one point must be said, and just, I think it's important to make it, that if both teams finished very strongly in the first leg la- last week. Um, it is an advantage to be a summer team, playing teams that are in pre-season in their, in their league. Um, and, and that's something you have to consider in any debates around what structure and what season we go for in the future. Um, it's, it's certainly something that you can use to your advantage uh, for a smaller league. Um, it is a positive. Now, I know there's another debate. I'm not sure if we're necessarily going to have it all today um, that we have a situation where we've games being called off, the Docks game being called off this week, um, leaving Sligo, losing out again. I can understand it more this week because they're coming back and we've done the trip and it's in straightforward in the charter, it must be said, but still, you know, to play on Saturday after coming back on 9 o'clock Thursday morning, I can see the argument but really, it's all the messing around with the fixtures earlier in the season that seems to make it worse. And John Gill did speak about maybe compensation for clubs. And to give, if you have a situation where you have clubs at the top coining in a lot of money from Europe that's making them wealthier and putting them ahead of everyone else, 
uh, I just think you need to be more inventive. I saw the suggestion was made that maybe they should always play at home around this time. I, again, it's hard to organise because you can't account for a team getting six weeks in Europe. You can't have six home games on the trot, obviously. But I think you need to be more clever and creative because this is the same stuff that comes up every year. And uh, People will listen to the show from other clubs and be like, oh, listen, this is great. The lads are off covering European trip. And what about our club? You know, we're not having a game for six to eight weeks. Finances are tough. And I think you have to be conscious of that resentment as well. I think we, we, this is a LOI weekly show. It's, you know, you have to reflect that not everyone is loving this. Dundalk Rovers, European stuff, it's great for us and it's good to get attention in the league. But maybe... There's a bigger picture there we have to be aware of as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I think I'm a bit surprised that you thought like Rovers would see Europe as a bit of a cash grab because of uh, not obviously. I the just think my point is that like I think the dog have a group stage target. I think for an Irish club to get through the Europa four rounds is it's just not that like. I think the dog in Europe because of the Champions route and the parachute to aim for the group stages. I would have had the opinion that Rovers starting off that it's just bloody hard to get through There's, I remember last year when Larnica did it the stats of how many Rangers did it last year too like the stats of how many clubs have actually done that from the qualifying round it's, it's small so I'm getting a lot of um, curious looks from Azer- Azerbaijani workers by the way they are they're just they're a bit, uh, I, I can't imagine we've had too many listeners from the Caucasus in general well, I, I remember we put up our stats at one stage and we've had a couple but you sort of assume it's Irish abroad but you wouldn't know I think someone was saying in Riga they were chatting to like again the whole story about the taxi driver someone who clearly has been punting on Dundalk or other teams quite regularly and seemed to seem to know his business you know? what have you made of Baku? yeah it's a fascinating place really I mean I've, I've always wanted to tick this one off the list um, you know uh, it's a real mix of old world new world to a degree I mean we're, we're now in the team hotel you know, a Hilton Hotel, it's sort of a lavish place with a big sort of space shuttle style lift that goes up like 20 floors in the middle of it. Apparently the rooms and everything are amazing here. We're staying then in, in more in the old town, a bit more of a modest place. Um, but that's like, you know, you have the you have the women in the sort of the, the burqa. Um, there was a bit of a debate over whether you could even wear shorts amongst us earlier on because seven or eight years ago, I think it would have been frowned upon here even for men to wear shorts of any description in any situation um, but that's I've all. been to Iran and uh, the Middle East and it does feel a bit like it, it does feel like a cross between that and sort of Eastern Europe it does have that vibe to it yeah like I think there's obviously a lot of wealth here there's a lot of oil money here I mean choir bag itself is a very wealthy club um, and indeed there were uh, interesting bags in Oil Park in the first I think, well, I think yeah I think the story goes that like some some gopher last week was dispatched to Dublin to get a load of brown Th- like they were spotted outside Oriel Park unloading brown Thomas uh, bags, uh, yeah. I mean, I suppose football officials living it up on overseas trips. It might not be exclusively uh, an Azeri preserve, mind you. We will mention um, the results from the weekend as well, and this kind of went a little bit unnoticed. But Rovers have completely screwed up their title chance. Would seem what it, what little it was, and it's kind of mad that. You look at this Rovers team, how they're performing in Europe, and Dundalk will probably soon be 10 points ahead of them, which is a hell of an achievement for Dundalk, but Shamrock Rovers really needed to beat a struggling Cork City in, on Sunday and didn't. Um, one all draw down there, uh, conceded a sloppy goal to Darrow O'Connor. Um, but the other results, UCD won Watford 2, that was uh, on Friday night. I think just having Zach Albazetti back, even that small difference. We, we spoke about could Waterford get dragged into it, and even with Cork. I mean, I, 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 you said that to me privately. I shouldn't be throwing under the bus. Like, I thought, well, I was just a little bit because Harps are doing so well. Um, I was just Harps saying, Derry is a massive yeah. result, obviously on Friday. But 
I just think that Cork Waterford, they have enough of a cushion that they only need a couple more big results to be fine. So they will be okay. But I guess with Waterford, with their financial situation, it was maybe more of a uh, concern. I think they're okay now. I think, it, I mean, Harps beating Derry is huge. Derry then bounced back by, by winning in, uh, at home to Waterford. A stunning goal by David Parkhouse. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Uh, incredible strike. Um, but I, I, I think that Cork Waterford, I mean, now these teams, they need a cup to give some energy to their season, but I think they'll be okay in terms of the broader relegation pitcher. I think that confirms it. Sligo and uh, Bowes was won all then on Saturday. That was a game that was uh, televised on air, as well as the Harps Derry games. So you got two air games over the weekend, and just have to give a, a lot of credit to. And tomorrow here, of course, air sport the, the game here. Yeah, yeah and you'd, you'd have to you, you forget these things. You're actually away at the game, but it, fair play to air because the um, the amount of people, let alone Dundalk fans, who just will not be able to make this trip and will be able to watch it tomorrow, which is great. And we take it for granted now, like that. You know, when the Rovers game wasn't on last week, it was almost a surprise because we we air show so many games. But got to give a lot of credit to Finn Harps, like who looked in so much trouble and to beat Derry City, big long throw into the box made it tough for them, and they look they look like they have a real real fighting chance. Um, of of staying up this season and it was obviously an interesting uh, round of games but this show really is all about the two European games and just reflecting on um, before we talk to the guys just reflecting on Shamrock Rovers that, that was uh, another sign of Jack Byrne's class and it got me wondering is Jack Byrne going to be the first like player in the League of Ireland who's worth seven figures in terms of his value because if you play against Bran and you play against Limassol and you're probably the best player in the pitch in, in those games and you've the pedigree that he has albeit with the caveat that it, Britain didn't really work out for him how valuable is Jack Byrne at the moment? Yeah, I think like plucking figures out is dangerous because like figures would be maybe dictated by his age by his contract you know by other what it might take to get him so well, he might be worth it, and and certainly inferior players will go for will go for that type of cash. Whether they would ever get it is a is another discussion point because naturally uh, he has one more year left in his contract. Let's say he stays at Rovers to the end of the season, which I hope he does, um, and he starts next season. All of a sudden, he's in the last year of his contract. Clubs aren't going to pay a million quid for a guy in the last year of his contract. How how good was he? I like he was he's exceptional, but I mean this quality show was even. I, I know, like, I think some funny over here, the dog fans, I uh, saw even Gavin McLaughlin, the dog sports, say, what's the hype about with, with Jack and thinking there's a bit of a media love-in again with Jack. Um, but he does, he does affect things. Even on Sunday, uh, he mightn't have had his best game overall in the, in the Cork Rovers match, but in the 94th minute, he played a perfect through ball for Aaron Green that Aaron Green should have stuck away. So you're talking about settling matches at key times. He did it last week. The other players didn't take the chance to be created. As a Bajani guy looking at us very curiously there. We have to... We have to be conscious of... Like, uh, I think my voice nearly going down here. Um, you're in a former Soviet Republic. Yeah, yeah, well... Um, we had an incident earlier. There's, there's, yeah, we've had a couple, a couple of incidents. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've been whistling the anthem and, and getting to, you've ingratiated yourself with some locals. I mean, this anthem whistling is a skill that you really, you undersell it. Like it, this it, is it. You can diffuse many situations. What do you do when you meet a homeless man in Azerbaijan who wants either a beer, uh, money, a cigarette, or a kebab? What do you do? Well, you whistle him the Azerbaijani national anthem. What does he do? Um, I think he was he was quite happy about it, but he was very much more interested in getting enough money for a beer. But um, I think it could be time to do a little bit of meet and greet, maybe. Yeah, I mean, let's let's go and uh, let's go and catch up. We, you see, this is the thing. Let's try and be clever and let's catch up. We did have this chat earlier, but it is on this theme of uh, of local 
customs and practices and habits. We'll talk to Sean Gannon and Daniel Kelly. The Sean Gannon earlier on did find out that maybe there's a couple of do's and don'ts around here, and he found out a don't. And you're welcome along to Baku. It's Dan and myself here with the Rings In duo. Uh, we're going to put the mic over to Dan now and uh, just discuss your experience of Baku so far. We also have uh, Sean Gannon here along with uh, Daniel Kelly, and uh, we're going to discuss how things have been so far. How are you getting on? Uh, very good, obviously beautiful. It's the first time I've sort of been out, but haven't gone. I've only gone to Spain and Portugal, sort of the longest flight I've had. But uh, I know it's very nice. It's sort of all the buildings and stuff, as you can see out here. It's very nice, but uh, the weather is very hot as well. Which will, I think when we we're over in Spain doing the training camp, it'll stand to stand to us. But um, I'm looking forward to to match to, to match tomorrow and see what happens. So did you think this time last year? I don't know, Azerbaijan would be somewhere on no, the radar. No, probably on my holidays, not like on a training camp or training to go to play a match in the Champions League, certainly not, but uh, it's mad how quick it can change. So oh, we obviously have to stay focused and see what happens tomorrow. You were watching a bit of Love Island last night, I believe, though you weren't too far from home. I think Sean Gannon here might have been actually arranging it. Yeah, he, he had the, the old USB. <laughs> we had it on the projector in one of the rooms, so it was... Uh, Straight, I think it was on a 12 o'clock over here, so uh, I had the betting up on it and everything. I was telling the lads who was coming forward towards second and fourth, so we had a bit of crack. But uh, I know it's all good, it's very nice. Looking forward to the match tomorrow now. Sean, um, you had a bit of a. So, like, this is the thing you've done loads of trips, right? And one of the things is you spend a lot of time in hotels, you don't necessarily get to yeah. see the place. But you went out stage to do a couple of photographs and then... <laughs> Nearly have to get bailed out there, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Tell people what happened. Uh, just we were on the promenade there and. Um, these guys came along and said uh, I was actually with, with RTE at the time and uh, I looked around there's this little miniature police car <laughs> flying down the promenade straight up to uh, Jamie I don't think Jamie's a quiet enough lad as it is but uh, I don't think his Azerbaijani is any good so uh, we're nearly getting put, put in a cell but looks of it uh, the, they just said we'd no permit and within five minutes there was literally about eight or nine eight or nine police around so would have been a pretty good news story if two, two <laughs> so, dog yeah. players got banged up and back in ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah but I, listen I don't know what was going on but I thought they were they were just saying you can't take photographs uh, you'd no permit to be taking photographs or whatnot. so uh, they were just usual they were all on the phone ringing people and everything so we just couldn't try this so they just move away as we could so we got back to the hotel and then so it was grand so. like this is the thing I know Daniel hasn't this is your first year of European <laughs> trip but you're used to it now and this, we were talking about it a small bit earlier on that you're getting to see great places you don't necessarily always get to experience them but it is still something it's obviously a great part of the job of being a League of Ireland footballer is Europe and the place you can see yeah, well, definitely. Since I've started playing football, I've been to probably so many countries that without football, you know, we would have never been able to visit, um, or even would have been they're not like top holiday destinations or whatever. But they're, like when you actually come to these places and get to travel around and walk around, they're all obviously beautiful places. And especially here, you know, in Baku, it looks. Uh, we we obviously arrived late last night, so we didn't get a chance to get out. But you know, obviously today it, it looks it's a beautiful day and it's a beautiful place and very modern and it's just somewhere that probably wouldn't jump out at you if you were no. you know if you weren't over here playing a Champions League game. It's not probably somewhere you'd end up. I heard Daniel that in Riga you were sort of uh, wearing the ear off Dane Massey asking questions about all the previous yeah. trips because you're probably curious, wondering what it was like. Yeah, exactly, and obviously he's sort of, as Sean Gannon, he's, he's sort of, he's been around the block a lot longer than me and he's gone through a lot of things, I was asked him what the atmosphere, and like it's it's the same, even the home game, it just felt so different when you're walking out, I know I was on the bench, but 
this, the, the atmosphere is so different than if than a league game. You know what I mean? You're coming out and the fans are absolutely hopping. Even before when you're warming up, it's so different. And then when you come away, it's. I know there's a good few that travel to Riga. There won't be as much over here now tomorrow, but uh, it's just it's great experience. And <laughs> I don't think I see myself here. If a year and a half ago, I think I was still playing Leinster Junior League. That's the mad. The, the amount of progress you made in no yeah. time at all. That's what I think. The 12th of January I scored my last goal for Saipatsi Woy in a league game against Malahoyd and I think the week after that I signed for Bray but I was originally training with Bray and I was waiting to get the deal done but Dave said like, Dave Mackey was actually the one who spotted me and he said I could play my last game so I went out and played and funny enough there was actually somebody from Bowes that day but they said I wasn't ready yeah. <laughs> and then at, later that year well July then that year I summed for both you were working in Sandyford at the time as well in a yeah in insurance yeah. yeah I was originally in construction house then we moved so I thought it was going to be a bit of a disaster because construction house is just on the canal there and it's only 15 minutes away from my house but we moved then to Arrakis down in um, Sandyford but uh, I was grand but they they gave me a lot of leeway because obviously when you're playing League of Warren, you don't your schedule changes a lot and games get changed and I think I played from my time with Bray and Derry I think I played Derry away four or five times because we got them in the cup as well with Bose and I played them twice with Bose away twice with Bray away and got, got them in the cup with Bose away so I think it was five times in the whole year but uh, it's very good they looked after me in there and obviously I had to get certain holidays and stuff and I had to get a couple of holidays from the year the next year after that which she wasn't even there for mm. but uh, they gave them to me and it was, they looked after me enough you know so you're, you're, so you're the Rings End boys right? yeah so did you did you know each other when you were younger? Oh, or? yeah, no, I would. Yeah. Everyone knows Sean Gannon. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's only five, ten, not even five minutes down the road, literally just through the rings and parking. Right, so Sean Cavan is from that big Yeah, he's only, he'd be around the Do You know what, look, it's funny, I've been, I've been to, uh, I've seen him Dan play so many times for CY, and like, it's, it's unbelievable to have him here, like, you know, playing. And, and he's had the same wing. He's had so, yeah. Could you see the, the potential, wing. could you see the League of Ireland potential in him then? Yeah, yeah, you could know that. He's always, he could always, like, yeah. I could always kick on, but you know it's great the way things turn out. Obviously, from knowing each other, being two local lads, knowing each other, and I've I've watched them play a lot in, in Rings End, and you know to have him to have him here now is brilliant. Like, you know, and especially with the impact that he's had this season, he's had a huge impact for us, and he's he's played really well. So you know, I think for to have him here is brilliant. You know, the, the, the pace he has uh, is obviously just such an asset because uh, when yeah. you come on in Riga as well, it sort of changed the game. Yeah, in fairness. That's what I think it was a good time to come on because I, I think they were they're not as fit as us and sort of the way the game went and stuff their legs were sort of gone and the, the, the left full's legs were, were nearly gone when I was coming on so Vinny was just saying to me and Higgs and Giller were just saying listen get out of him just do what you do don't overcomplicate it just get it knock it by him and that's it and that's what I've done and I probably should have scored as well went on my left to keep her safe but uh, I thought I'd done well when I come on and we got we got a bit of luck on the night, but I thought we deserved over the two legs to actually to go through. And are you visualising playing tomorrow now in your head, like or yeah, coming on or starting or whatever? You see, it's hard to say. Like it's it's whatever way we set up tomorrow. But uh, I thought I'd done well to, to, to start tomorrow. If I don't start, it's, I'm a type of player that when I come on in seventieth minute or sixtieth, eightieth, whatever minute, when their legs aren't as full flown as they were at the start of the game, it might it might benefit me more and benefit the team more because I, as you say, I have that pace and I can sort of knock a boy someone and yeah. be direct. But we'll see what happens. What's, what's your so what's your carpool then going up to Dundalk? Oh, this this carpool. <laughs> if you could put three men in the car, yourself, this EJ and Benson, <laughs> right? He brings the, he brings the IQ up a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He is because as me and Gano are probably below average, but he certainly I brings it up. He's, he's well clued in now. He must know everyone rings in now. Yeah, he knows everyone's nicknames well and everything. Yeah. Being around the corner, yeah.
Yeah, yeah it's very good, yeah. And Benson is a legend, yeah. Poor yeah. chap now, he's, his ribs or whatever is wrong with him now. He hasn't got a look this year, but uh, we miss him over here now, but uh, hopefully he'll be back soon enough. How, how quick is this, lads? Yeah, he's very quick, yeah. Don't have a beat. Stuart and Corey into it. Statistically, and as you're talking on the picture and the IQ test, the Benson. Are in the car on the way up. Talking about the IQ test. Yeah, no, Benson's obviously an absolute genius, but and he actually plays like he's really clever as well. He sort of he can manage the game very well. Like if we are under the cosh, he can sort of take the sting out of it and relax, or he can sort of set the press and stuff. You know what I mean? Which is obviously a good benefit. What's going to happen tomorrow? I'll be. It's going to be a tough game, obviously, it's a lot of, uh, the owners probably on them a bit more now, they're obviously at home, so, you know, if, if we still, yeah, definitely, I think we're probably unlucky to be only coming over here with one goal, mm. I know they had chances, like, but uh, to be coming over here level with them, um, we're definitely in with shout, yeah, we're, like, we're here to go through, that's, I'm not cliche, it's not, they're a good side, but we feel that we have a chance to go through, and, you know, obviously we paid them respect to, Use pedigree in Europe. They've played at high level for a long time. But if if you want to be playing in the group stages, these are the type of games that you have to you have to kind of manoeuvre to get through. Talent's talent's going to be great as well when you when you get there. Just the way the pitches now and the European nights and that. And yeah. The memories you've had. From I think yeah. it will actually. Obviously, I I wouldn't have played with the dark and the, when they were in Talent playing in the Champions League of the Europa mm. League, but. I think it suits it suits Dundalk better, obviously with the pit, the bigger pitch and the grass pitch. Obviously, the Oriole is is what it is, and it's tough to actually pass the ball probably sometimes when it is dry. But uh, uh, Talat is is obviously a really good pitch, so we can hopefully next well see see what happens obviously tomorrow and take it into next week. Just we were talking to uh, Sean, we were talking to Vinny there, and I think one of the things he took pride from last week or as a group that. Like you started badly last week. The yeah. game started badly. Yeah. It just wasn't happening for you. That you actually managed to regroup and half at half time and, and get the show back in the road because it's the kind of game could have ran away from you a bit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you were, well, you were like, struggling early round, you know. One thing that we spoke about was like I don't want to jinx us here to touch wood now, but they don't actually they're not the type of team that score a huge amount of set pieces, are they? Like no, yeah, when we're, yeah. like, you know, so we were saying we, like, against a team are so good, you know, to give a goal away from a set piece is criminal. Mm. Um, and obviously four four minutes in, you know, they scored my set piece, it's kinda of like you know, where we spoke about it, but um they obviously had probably two or three other chances. Gary made a great save in the first half. They probably had another one or two. It probably took us the half time till we actually got the grips with it and got you know, you can do all the prep work on teams but until you're actually like, on the t- on the pitch playing against them, you know, until you just get a grip, get a grip of the game. Uh, but I think when we just went in and spoke at half time, um, we felt we could just be a bit more composed on the ball and not force it as much. So I thought we started the second half brilliantly and probably shocked them a little bit. You know, they were probably thought our heads would go down or, or they'd run out easy winners. Like, but I think we were, we were definitely a better team, I think, in the second half. And, you know, obviously we had some good chances, but on another day they go in. But it's it's gonna be it might be a different game over here. You know, it's very warm, very humid. It's probably gonna gonna have to manage the game a little bit better, I think. Um, but we definitely we're definitely more than a match them. I think they're yeah they're a good side, but um, one thing from the European games, one thing that we've never we've never gone into a game thinking that we're gonna lose or we're gonna mm. draw or we never went into a game, no matter who we're playing, we never went in thinking like we're inferior to these or you know we don't deserve to be here. Like you know we, we definitely be going into the game tomorrow thinking that we're gonna go through. Yeah so that was uh Sean and Daniel Kelly. I think Sean's scraper at the law 
Um, I think that's going to become a bit of a news story now. Uh, only like, I mean, it, it was more of a comedy incident than an actual serious one, to be fair. He also, I mean, he was also broadcasting Love Island for the lads in the gaff last night as well. Um, so he's, he's been busy. Yeah, sometimes things like that just do make you feel a little bit removed from the world of the footballer as you get older, because maybe Love Island wouldn't be for me. But it was a reminder that this is a slightly different place. Like, there is, uh, you're in very different parts of the world where, you know, officious kind of acts from the cops or whatever is probably not that uncommon. Yeah, you have to respect the customs. I think there was a story that the Ireland 21 team played here several years back. Um, and I think one of the doctors got arrested for taking a photo of government buildings because that is a that is a big no no. But anyway, um, I think as also you have to be very careful of like generalising as well too. I mean, there will be local customs that exist, but then that also leads to like to the portrayal as a place as this like mysterious place with mysterious people, which just isn't reflective of the reality at all. I mean, we spoke to some locals last night, and like ultimately, like where the like we're often the idiots coming over here looking for them to speak our language and then sort of caricature them on the basis of, of that, you know? And, and, and we sometimes, I think, there's a sort of a Western idea to be very blasé about that. And then think, oh God, you know, uh, they're asking us questions about home and it's sort of a, it, there's a danger of it almost being patronizing in, in, in how you reflect it. And I certainly found that, like in Russia last year, like there was a ma- for the World Cup, there was like a massive curiosity. Like, what do you think of us? Um, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's very, I mean, they're very normal people living normal lives. You know what I mean? Um, and as I said earlier on, in another context, I mean, there's plenty of reasons for people to look at Ireland and problems in Ireland and think that uh, we're a very bloody dysfunctional place as well. Um, but anyway, on that uh, topic as such, we we did try and get a local contributor. So I will thank sort of a couple of... There actually is a bit of an Irish contingent at UEFA.com and uh, they put me in touch with Aktai Atayev. He's the UEFA correspondent in Azerbaijan. Um, so... So hoping to catch up with him. Things weren't necessarily going to work that way because with his schedule. Um, so basically just got to, got to pop him a couple of questions. He said he'd send us a little audio message back just to explain, firstly, his thoughts on the game and secondly, how important the development of, of Karabakh has been for football in Azerbaijan. So here was his response. First of all, uh, I want to thank you for asking my op- opinion. I will try to answer deployed and as objectively as possible. Speaking about the Garabakh Football Club, we should note that it represents the city of Ardam, located in the Garabakh region of Azerbaijan, which unfortunately has been occupied for about 30 years by Armenia. The conflict between these two countries began closer to the collapse of the Soviet Union and continues to this day. Exactly one-fifth of our country, 20%, is under the control of Armenian armed forces. Today, Karabakh is known in the world as a refuge club. The team is forced to take rivals in Baku. Now about football. As you know, uh, Garabakh has been the champion of Azerbaijan for the last six years. All these six years, team reached the group stages of the European Cups. They played five times in the Europa League and one time in the Champions League, becoming the first Azerbaijani team to play in the main stage of this tournament. Head coach Gurban Gurbanov has been heading Garabakh for more than 10 years. 
The club has a solid friendly team and most of the players have also played for this team for a long time. Someone three years, someone five years and someone already eight, nine, ten years. For example, uh, vice-captain Maxim Medvedev and defensive midfielder Gara Garaev did not play at other clubs at all during their career. That uh, Garabakh is exactly the club that is called a single family. The story of Dundalk is also known. It's the most titled non-capital club in Ireland, founded more than 100 years ago. In recent years, Dundalk has also constantly played in European Cups, but the results of the team were weaker than those of Karabakh. Nevertheless, uh, to knock out of the Champions League already in this qualifying round uh, will be considered uh, a failure uh, for both Karabakh and Dundalk. So the fight in the Baku match, I'm sure, will be serious. However, such serious factors as the course of the first match and its outcome, the results of both teams in recent years, the traditionally successful performance of Garabakh at home, as well as uh, relatively minor factors like the Baku heat to which the hosts are more accustomed and the fact that Dandok had a long trip Baku and have to get used to the time zone difference. In my opinion, all this makes Garabakh a clear favorite of the tomorrow game. I'd rate the chances of the champions of Azerbaijan as 75 to 25. In the first match, Garabakh was clearly superior uh, to Dandalk and could have scored even more goals in the first half. However, in the second half, Agdam team began to play on hold of the score and such a struggling and physically strong team like Dandok does not forgive this. So, in general, I consider the outcome of the first game to be fair, but the main thing for Garabakh was to score in Dandok in the first leg and the Agdamians did it. Unlike Ireland, in Azerbaijan the new season of championship hasn't yet started and Garabakh is from those teams that don't smoothly join the new season. If you pay attention to the results of Garabakh in recent years, you can see that in the first qualifying rounds of the European Cups they always perform inconspicuously and hardly score goals, but then gradually reveal. By the way, uh, another advantage of, for Karabakh will be that the team will play at, I think, the full stand of the Dalga Arena Stadium. But at the same time, it should be noted that this stadium accommodates less than 7,000 people <clears throat> and isn't native to Karabakh. Uh, usually in the qualifying rounds of the European competitions, European Cups, uh, Garabakh plays at the Republican Stadium named after the well-known in Britain referee Tofik Bahramov, where there are more than 30,000 seats. Just now this arena is not ready for football as there were competitions uh, within the European Youth Olympic Festival. 
Finally, I'd like to say once again, welcome to Baku, to Dundle Club, uh, its fans, and to you, Irish journalists. I hope you will take positive emotions away from the land of fire, regardless of the outcome of tomorrow's match. Yeah, it was very interesting how he referenced uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, which obviously we're not really supposed to talk about here. I think the locals aren't particularly happy talking about it. But this is their club, and this is a region that um, you can imagine that it's a club that people are very passionate about because of their background. You, you referenced Agdam, obviously, the Chernobyl of the Caucasus, or whatever they call it, um, but also expressed a lot of confidence. I think he's 75%, 25% is probably fairly much on the money. Yeah, and I think I mean, his point about recent seasons as well, you do look at Carabag's qualifying results in the first rounds, the opening rounds, and they wouldn't blow you away, you know, and yet, come, you know, autumn time, they're able to compete with, like, super clubs. So, I mean, that is the sense, and, and, and maybe the, the slight fear that the dog might have is that, you know, they, 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 they really need to take that lead over here. When, when they had them on the ropes last week, when they were vulnerable, should they have pummeled them? Maybe that could be the, the regret that they take. But um, And as you mentioned the venue. He thinks the venue is going to be a bonus for them, a boost for them. And I can see that, that, that why that would be the case. But I suppose from the away side's perspective, they probably have to look at, uh, at silencing, silencing that as well. But um, as I said, it's not just um, not looking for the uh, Azari view here. We also decided to have a chat with a couple of the local lads from Dundalk who are also over from local media. Adrian Taff and James Rogers are amongst the contingent over here. Just chat with them a bit about how the Dundalk ascension, I guess, has changed things for them. We're now joined by Adrian Taff of LMFM. He is uh, one of the few journalists on this trip. I think there are only about a half dozen. But Adrian, I have to thank you because I'm actually using your mic um, and your LMFM um, mic. What would we call it? Uh, it's a windshield. Windshield, which yeah. I lost earlier on somehow, and I was for for a little bit uh, of time suspicious of uh, the Azeri locals, but I didn't think anyone would rob a windshield with LMFM on it necessarily. Anyway, uh, we've been on a few trips together, but this one is a little bit special. Uh, well, they're all special, aren't they? Um, yeah, looking forward to the game tomorrow. You know, um, it's a beautiful city, first of all, isn't it? I think coming in last night. I was delighted we came in at night, actually, because I think it gave you a real sense of the, the wealth, the, given the lights that you see coming in. And um, I haven't got it to have a good look at it. I think we're all the journalists here are sort of pasty, subterranean, below-ground dwellers uh, compared to everybody else. We haven't been out in the sun. Speak for yourself, Adrian. <laughs> but, but just I mean, this experience, and I think actually I think people who listen to this obviously would be aware that like, local media in many respects are the lifeblood of a lot of League of Ireland clubs. That could be with the Cork gang, with the Derry gang. You know, you meet them around the place. What has Dundalk's ascension basically into this territory done for, for you guys? Like even, even for local radio, Fellam FM, your, your commentary in Riga went sort of big. Uh, but even in terms of the work and life, to have this onto the beat, it must be... Uh, it must have been a game changer really over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it's it's elevated like it's elevated Dundalk nationally, of course. You know, everybody knows that and internationally too, I suppose. Peak six have come in largely on the back of two thousand and sixteen. We started covering every Dundalk match home and away, you know, you know, in Europe and at home domestically as well, you know. So so certainly in that respect, like from my perspective, um, I was doing occasional Dundalk matches and Jerry Malone, of course, who we're all familiar with as well. You know. we, we were threatening to have Jerry Malone on the pod here. We're just we're still working with our lawyers over the possibilities of that, but uh, we'll get on to it eventually. He, he'll send us a message 
very soon after. You'll definitely need your lawyers post podcast anyway, <laughs> that's for sure. But uh, yeah, but yeah, certainly from our perspective, it's elevated Dundalk in terms of uh, how important they are to us and what we do. You know, um, these these games have become very important to us, and we really try to maximise it and let people know that the option is there to listen to us. You know, outside of TV, which of course not everybody will have air sport who are on you are covering the game tomorrow, you know. So we, so tomorrow can, can be a big day for us in terms of, uh, you know, connecting with Dundalk as well, one of the big towns in our area as well. You know, Drogheda, you know, maybe not the happiest of days at the moment, but I think there's better days coming for them too, and we hope to, you know, really connect with them as well on through the League of Ireland, you know. We've got James Rogers here as well from the Argus, and you sort of covered Dundalk nationally. Like, James, it's sort of the same comment to you. I mean, this, this, I think you would have covered Dundalk around a decade ago in the, in the days of the First Division and so on. Um... This is obviously a very different experience now. Yeah, I mean, like, look, it's such a cliche, but there was a time where you're wondering, was there going to be a Dundalk FC? Like, and it's not that long ago. It's only about seven years ago. Um, so to be, I'm lucky enough, I've got to go on a lot of these trips and you, you just see the most amazing places and take great memories from it, both on the pitch and off it. You, What's the best one? For me, FH, I know people talk about Bate and that was obviously special, but like, I, t I just think... You know, again, you get special moments where, like, I was with Paul Brown that day having lunch, and he could barely eat it because he was just that sick about what it meant for him and financially. And then I think we all went back to a bar after the game, and Paul was nearly gliding around the place. And you see these great memories, and you know what it means to people, and you know it's it's brilliant. Like even that. This wasn't an easy place for people to come. It was expensive to get here. And you see small band of supporters. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty more looking to be here. And I'm sure there's plenty more going to be by Skyscanner tomorrow night looking to book as well. So, like, you know, it's, it's given people, people based their year around this now, I think, you know, around Dundalk where, you know, they're lucky enough to have European trips. And it's an amazing period to be in. Yeah, this is the mad thing about this trip from Dundalk, John, is that, like, I think next week they could potentially be in, in four different cities depending on the result of three different games. So, um, you know, for, for, for punters and for people, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do to actually plan, you know, to, 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 to travel in great numbers because, I don't know, like you're going to, as, as James mentioned, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a scramble sort of on Wednesday, Thursday night either way. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's a nice problem to have, you know, as a Galway United fan, I would absolutely love the idea of following uh, Galway United in Europe. Um, it seems a world away at the minute. We've had obviously great news. Galway United Academy news? Yeah. yeah, great news that the Comers are committing. Um, and I think the future is bright, but, you know, I get such a buzz from following Irish teams in Europe. I've been to watch Dundalk several times. I've been to watch Corks, uh, sorry, I've been to watch Derry City. I've been to watch St. Pat's. Um, and you know, just imagining what it would be like if it was your own team, but um, it's a nice problem to have. It, it, it is a little bit um, disappointing that there are going to be so few fans there to cheer them on in back in, in back because this is a huge, huge game, and I genuinely feel they have a chance of progressing if they get through this round. Um, it, it's it, as we said, like to meet Stephen O'Donnell in the airport yesterday, and the amount of air miles that he's put in, he's not doing anything for global warming at the moment because he's been all over Europe following teams, and he's made the right choice, I think, by going to. Um, basically the, the place that is sending out a positive message in terms of what they could get in the Champions League in terms of Cyprus um, but it's it, they, they are great trips Adrian and it's kind of you're just it's it's great that you know you, you might get the chance to go on another one as well because they will have one more game and as it was just we were saying earlier on just the, 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 the guys in the squad and the management they're just great to deal with and Dan says maybe we have a bit of a Dundalk loving at times but it's justified because they're just great guys to deal with and they're very open they certainly are yeah I think uh, Vinny has uh has been very open as well and he's been very good with the media I think you know 
compared to most other managers in the league. And he's been very um, generous with his own time and with his players as well, you know. Uh, even today, they moved the time of the press conference for the local media, well, for the Irish media as well. You know, that's something that's really appreciated by us. And they invite us in for food afterwards or whatever. They've been very warm and open with the Irish media. You know, I, that's really appreciated. You know, it makes our lives a lot simpler, you know, a lot easier. Yeah. One thing we should say as well is that it is hot over here, but it's not um, bacon hot. James, you were, you were in Cyprus last year, were you, for the game uh, against uh, App, uh, Larnica, rather, and uh, it was just it's talking to some of the Dundalk players. Actually, you know, they described the heat that that day in terms of being next to impossible to actually breathe in. But whilst it is hot over here, it's not going to be a problem for Dundalk. Uh, I feel I, I wouldn't mind getting a few predictions from you though. Um, they're up against it, obviously, but if they come over here one nil down or two nil down, you know, you'd have a different mindset. Yeah, I think going back to Cyprus, I mean, myself and Adrian were talking about it earlier. We, we went out to the stadium for the press conference the day before and there was a bit of a breeze blowing, whereas the day of the game, it was actually just a dead heat and it was played in daytime. I think by tomorrow, at least the sun will have gone down. It'll still be very humid or whatever, but I think they'll be used to that. They've, they've gone on training camps to Spain, you know, a few weeks ago just to kind of prepare for this. They'll get used to it tonight. I, I don't think it'll be as, as big a factor. Um, obviously, they've they manage it, but... I think as, as long as, and Vinny referenced it today, I think if they can stay in the game as long as possible, I, I, I kind of expect Carabag to come out early on and go at them. And if they can withstand that initial, I suppose, blitz that I expect, I think the, 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 the natives will get restless, as they say. Um, I do think there's a goal in Dundalk. Um, I hate to say it, but it wouldn't shock me if it was extra time. Yeah, one all is a possibility. I, I could see it being two all or something like that. I do, I do think Dundalk, I think McElhinney and Duffy haven't really um, performed the ability they have yet in Europe, and I think they're just ready to fire. McElhinney was very good in the second half against um, Pats on Saturday. What do you reckon? Uh, I'm not in the business of predictions, Johnny, but I'll wait. Well, I'm not going to. I don't think you can predict a Dundalk win. You know, uh, you, know you have to expect that Carabag and their quality will show through, but Dundalk definitely have a chance. The fact that they scored the other night and had such a positive second half last week as well and as you said I think Patrick McElhaney I think there's been signs over the last couple of games and certainly against Pats that that Patrick McElhaney that can float past players is starting to re-emerge a little bit I was uh, I was talking to Vinny earlier on today and I, and I made the point to him and he, he didn't disagree with me and I, I was afraid actually asking I suggested that um, that maybe Dundalk have been a lot of perspiration rather than inspiration this season that the whole side have largely been 7.5 out of 10 with the exception of Sean Gannon who's been 10 out of 10 every week uh, and that the likes of Michael Duffy and Patrick McElhaney and these boys haven't really produced the inspiration that maybe you'd expect and that little bit of goal, um, you know, stardust, you know. And he didn't disagree, you know, and I suspect... I would agree with you. I don't think yeah. they've um, performed. Like, they've had so many changes in midfield, I suppose, as well. He doesn't make predictions, but I think that was a fairly positive prediction. Darren, we're going to wrap up with the lads. I don't know if we want to give our prediction now or shall we wait for later in the show? I think we'll save it, John. We'll save yeah, it. For what little it's worth. But um, in fairness, at least there is an element of... A few of the lads worried, you know, with your record of recent predictions that, you know, when you predicted it was going to be a safe flight over, we were all doomed. <laughs> On that note... <laughs> It was great to catch up with the lads and uh, we're just going to wrap up the results from uh, last weekend in the first division, uh, give you the fixtures in the first division and also the fixtures in the Premier Division uh, this weekend. But the first division results, uh, Limerick 3, Cove 4 in a pretty insane game, uh, Shannon side, Shelburne 5, Wexford 2, another 7 goal thriller, Bray 3 at Lone 0, Drogheda 0, Cabin Teeley 0, Longford 4, Galway United 0 and the fixtures in the first division this weekend, Galway United play Drogheda on Friday. At Lone play Longford, 
Wexford play Bray, Cabin TV play Limerick, and on Saturday, Cove welcome leaders and I suppose you could say champions elect Shelburne uh, to uh, Cove. There's a bloke there just looked over when we mentioned Cabin Teeley. I reckon he's a, he's a secret follower from afar. Possibly has actually had a bet on them, uh, given how popular the. Although probably not in Azerbaijan, actually. But uh, Premier Division fixtures: UCD against Derry City, big game for the students there, uh, wrapped in the relegation struggles at the moment. Finn Harps play Bohemians. Cork City play St. Pat's. All of these games are on Friday, and that's pretty much it then for the fixtures at the weekend. Um, Want to mention Trevor Clark, Dan, because he got his move to Rotherham. Um, Left Shamrock Rovers fairly quickly, and Stephen Bradley's comments were, were kind of interesting. That like he has the talent, but other things need to fall into place. But one thing that didn't fall into place was his luck. He's been chronically unfortunate in terms of injuries, and he basically is announced as a signing for Rotherham, then kind of plays in a Mickey Mouse preseason game and gets injured. Yeah, I mean we're waiting on the prognosis, so I, I, I don't want to sort of speculate until we actually hear that. But um, it's obviously a bit of a concern to say the least. Um, you know, I think there was a quote that he, he seemed to have an idea. He, he he knew what the pain was like. But again, be careful to speculate. And it is it is a shame. Um, I suppose it's been an interesting couple of weeks because um, obviously we've had Sean McLaughlin leave leave the league as well. We should mention his transfer at the Hull, which has gone through. And I guess Cork. I think he was going anyway. But I think I think Cork probably financially needed to do something like that just to. Uh, you know, maybe ease some of the pain of not going through in Europe and, and, and probably not qualifying for Europe this year unless they can somehow win the Cup. So, um, the, you know, they're the measures that have to be taken. But you, know, you have to always hope that we can regenerate. You know, obviously Kavanagh going out, or sorry, Kavanagh, sorry, Clark going out. Um, they have Sean Kavanagh there, but they've got potentially Neil Farouge obviously to come in and spoke about it a bit earlier. I mean, if Rovers can go further in Europe, it'd be great to see Ferruja get a chance because he obviously looks so capable of playing for the 21s in terms of adjusting to that type of test. So, um, and that's the challenge. I mean, Cork now, I mean, it's a chance for Conor McCarthy to grow in stature. Um, they've obviously got a fair bit of restructuring to do with their squad there. A lot of players out of contract, etc. Probably take some heart from the fact they took a result against Rovers, but I don't think Cork really want to be a team that's, it's a surprise that he got a home draw against the team from Dublin. Like that's, you know the, the bar has to be a lot higher there, and, and, it, and, and it needs to be set much higher come next February, uh, which is realistically where their where their plan is aiming now. But you just hope that you know obviously you lose players that were constantly there's, there's players coming through. Obviously, potentially Graham Burke maybe coming back if Preston play ball. I don't I don't have a major issue with um, the likes of him going to Hull as well. Like Hull is a big club, and uh, it's good that. It's good the clubs still want our young players so that a lot of kind of interest is in the league and like it's an incentive for players if they do want to go to a higher level. So I'm not going to kind of mourn Sean McLaughlin's loss as much. I guess it's more when players sign for like League Two clubs and stuff like that. You're like, really, we should be better than that. Yeah, well, I don't think we have too many examples of high profile players from here going to League Two clubs. Um, maybe Huben when he went initially, maybe to Oxford. Um, but, but aside from that, I think, you know, Generally, actually, players have, have gone from here to good levels. Like a lot of players have got championship moves, and in some cases, just haven't haven't been able to, to get to that standard. But the fact is that they're getting the chance to go there in the first place. And uh, when we, we've seen players, like, I, I, yeah, I, I take your point. I mean, players going for a six-figure sum to any club in England. I mean, Rotherham are only are, are only I say League One, but they're actually a very big club, big stadium. You know, and Richie Tell was there, spoke to him about it. You know, that's a proper-sized club, so that that's going to, of course, is always going to be very, very tempting for our players. Um, and it's fine. I, don't, I have no problem with the league being a selling league. It's always going to be a feeder league to bigger leagues. Like most, most of the fifty-five leagues in Europe uh, are that. 
in, in to certain degrees. What we've got wrong in Ireland is that we get no money for the players when they go. And that's something that needs to be addressed uh, properly, big time. And that, that's, that's how other leagues manage to, to function. It's not just about TV money and stuff. It's actually about transfer fees. And, and, and someone like Sean McLaughlin, you know, he's, he's come through the ranks in Cork. I know he was UCC, but he was, he's been produced by football in Cork. And as a result, football in Cork should be rewarded when they go, not letting them go for like a bag of jerseys and, and, and five grand. Absolutely. We're going to wrap up um, basically with some sort of a prediction for the two games. Um, you know, I think League of Ireland fans who want to see the teams progress would have been very happy with the, the, the two first uh, legs because particularly just the way things happened so badly at the start and in fairness to Shamrock Rovers showed amazing composure. Jack Byrne has either scored or assisted all of their six goals in Europe so far and they will hope that that run continues. I don't know, Dan. I I think uh, I I give Dundalk a definite chance. I think history tells us that apart from Larnaca, they've been really, really good in Europe. Um, they've been consistent in these games. They've they've punched way above their weight. Uh, if they concede, and this is the big thing, if they concede, they're not going to drop their heads because they know they still have to score anyway, and they're still well in the tie. I could see them. I could see them still having a chance with 15, 20 minutes left. When it's going to get very interesting, I don't think some of their key players have really hit their heights yet. They have players like Daniel Kelly to come off the bench. Uh, there's huge confidence in the team. I think Carabag are very, very good, but I think they uh, are slightly vulnerable defensively. On Shamrock Rovers, I, I'm slightly worried people think maybe that they've they're more there than they are because this this is still a very good side that are in pre-season and they're going to improve. So I think Rovers will get through, but but I'm, I'd be cautious and I give Dundalk a, a decent chance. Um, here's hoping. Yeah, I find myself actually, I'm, I'm worried. I find myself broadly agreeing with you. Um, I think both teams, both home teams this week are going to step it up big time because it's bloody crisis territory for them. I mean, the pressure they're under, and Vinnie Park alluded to it here, and I'm sure Stephen Bradley will be you know, very much aware of the... Of the the opposite. I mean, when you think, you know, that I mean, Apollon are out of Europe. I mean, they're done if they lose. I mean, Carabag will go in if they were to somehow lose. They will go into this parachute route and 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 having lost the you know Bate last year, they, they went to the Europa League group stages that way. Um, I mean, that's I mean, that's you know, that's whatever like f- five six million quid in your budget. Um, so I mean, like, so for those clubs, like for the Dundalkin Rovers, it's a bonus if you get there. Obviously, there's more expectation probably around Dundalkin Europe, where for a pollen to go out would be a catastrophe. But I think Rovers, if they keep the ball in the heat, like they can capitalise on that pressure. I think that's what both teams need to do this week: is is use that pressure to their advantage. So they're probably that's the to, one thing they're they have to withstand the storm. I think I think the home teams are going to come out flying in both games, and it's the team that deals with that best. You know that will get through as such if any of our teams are to get through this week I think uh, it's about not being overwhelmed I think if Dundalk are still in the tie I think if you offered them the chance now to still be in the tie with 20 minutes to go they'll take it because that's when the pressure that's when the pressure becomes stifling uh, on Carabag actually um, so yeah I, I'm I, I, I feel the Carabag will step it up so I think it's going to be it's a massive ask I think I'd be more confident about Rovers chances of progression but I would hope that both of them um, and this is where things like preparation and conditioning and you know all, all the work that you almost do in January and, and February nearly uh, as much as in the last four or five weeks that you know we've seen Irish teams over the years being physically bested uh, by, by opponents and you, you know the heat adds another variable to it um, and I think there was moments even last week early on with Carabag were a bit stronger at times and just shoving players off the ball but the dogs sort of found their way a bit so 
I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but but very much aware that um, for both clubs, you're probably looking at best performances of the season almost in both cases to get through. Yeah, pretty much agree with that. Uh, very best of luck to both Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk. It's been a lot of fun following them, particularly watching uh, teams who are not afraid to play football um, and and basically take it to superior and better funded opposition. Just like to finish up by thanking uh, Dundalk again for being so helpful with um, the podcast today and being so free and giving with their time. Thanks to all the guys who uh, we interviewed for for talking to us. Yeah, that's it, Dan. Can you give us a few bars of the of the, of the anthem to go, John. Can you sign off on that? I reserve that for homeless people. Chat to you next week. But there are-